episode 206 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. And thanks so much for being here today, everybody. Thrilled you're here. Let me make sure everything is working properly here. I think so. I think we're good. Um, You've probably noticed, yeah, I'm not posting as many podcasts lately. And it's interesting. First of all, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Let's get the quick housekeeping out of the way. New website, ssafyoga.com is where you can go to buy my new book. It should be on Amazon pretty soon, but right now you can head over to my website and get a copy. Uh, I have a new remix on Bandcamp, eddiecone.bandcamp.com. Head over there. Please listen to it. I'm really excited about that. If you want to write a review about this podcast, please head over to iTunes and do that. But it's, it's interesting. I think part of the reason, I had this great talk with a friend of mine a few days ago, and I think I've realized, well, this is something that I've thought of for a long time, but there's this great movie called Grand Canyon, a Lawrence Kasdan film. Steve Martin is a slasher movie creator, and he is mugged in the city streets of Los Angeles in this film, in the movie. And he has this, this big shift in his, in his mind where he, he wants to change his life. And his friends in the hospital are asking him about it. And his response is, I don't want to talk about it because talking about it takes the place of it actually happening. And it's something that I think a lot about. And it's kind of why the podcast in, in sort of my creative world is the last in my list of creative pursuits that I I like to do. It's last on the list. I hold it up the lowest on my my scale because I feel like anybody can talk. There's a specific energy, and I'm not a scientist, and I I haven't figured it out yet, but those those blabbers in high school, the, the people that sort of talk a big game but really don't have much going on, I think talking in this mysterious, indescribable way sort of takes up the energy in the body, like the the energy that causes action. I think it's used up if you talk about it all the time. You know, those people, I'm going to go to grad school or, you know, I'm going to write a record or I'm going to go here, or, I'm going to do this. There's There's a lot of talking going on, but it feels like there's not a lot of doing. And has it ever been more obvious than now after what happened at the Academy Awards last week with Will Smith and, and Chris Rock? And it's funny, I was just on Twitter and Daniel Radcliffe, I guess, was asked about giving his opinion about what happened. And his response is, you know, why should, why should I add? Why should I give another opinion? What's the point? It's, it's interesting. It's a cloudy day here in LA, and I had a great swim today. But I've, over the last few days, I've, I've felt a bit dreary, sort of um, a bit morose. I, I don't want to talk about necessarily, per se, Will Smith, you know, hitting Chris Rock on stage. But what I do want to think about and talk about, and what I have been thinking about, is just 
how our culture react rea- how our culture reacts to things today and how we all have an opinion and we all talk and we all want to share our points of view and go on to Twitter. I could be Tiffany Haddish who thinks that Will Smith's uh, act was beautiful. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who, who is an amazing writer, he wrote a substack about it. And, you know, of course, CNN and Fox News, everybody's talking about it. it it's like, you know, Bill Maher is talking about it. Joe Rogan, of course, is talking about it. And yeah, I may share my points of view about the whole occurrence, but it's like everybody's talking. And, and everybody's talking about actors. Like, like, why does our culture care so much about actors? I have said this before on my show. It's like our priorities are so out of whack. And I look outside of the culture now, and it's sort of like, what, what happened? What happened to us? I think I know the answer, but of course it's complicated. But it feels like what used to be important, you know, it could be, you know, love, relationships, friends, community, manners, boundaries. It does feel like those elements to our culture are all being stripped away. You know, and I know a lot of people pointed the finger at Trump and sort of the vitriol that he spewed out on Twitter, but yeah, I just I just think he was sort of another player in the game. But I, I, I do feel like social media has ripped these these so-called boundaries to shreds. You know, January sixth at the Capitol, people just can go into the Capitol building. Like they people think they have the right to go into the Capitol building protesters have the right to to do what they want. People that don't like the police over the last couple of years feel like, ah, I don't have to listen to the police. Will Smith thinks he can just go on stage and slap somebody without any repercussions. It's it's very strange what's going on. I'm I'm pretty disheartened by it all. It just feels like people um are lacking manners, common sense, dignity, uh, digni- dignity, and boundaries no longer matter. And everybody's just talking and talking and talking on on a podcast or, you know, on a Substack or on a news media source. It's like everybody's talking, but is anybody really listening? Is anybody thinking? Of course they are, but it feels like that percentage of people that think objectively, think ind- think independently, think with thought, with candor, with sympathy and empathy, it just feels like that is being erased from our culture every single day. As more people use their phones, as more people become addicted to technology, spewing their own opinion out into the world... People just don't think about consequences, repercussions, dignity, manners, boundaries. It's, it's really quite um, a sad state of affairs that a human being can walk on stage and an award ceremony, hit somebody in the face, and then people... Th- I'm just, I think I'm amazed at how many different reactions... 
have come up from that single act. It's, it's interesting to me. To me, what's more disheartening is not what Will Smith did, as atrocious as that was, but how everybody, um, just how many different opinions there are. Whoopi Goldberg, who should not be on television. Like, it, it's so clear to me that Whoopi Goldberg and everybody on The View should not be on television. You know, Whoopi Goldberg is saying that Will Smith shouldn't have been taken off or kicked out of the Academy because that would have been a bad look for African-Americans. Um, it's, it's sort of like everything isn't about race. It's like somebody does a bad act and it doesn't matter the skin color. It's, it's really, this is such a challenging world to live in. And then I say to myself, what's the point of even me talking anymore? I mean, really? I can't get people to, you know, change their minds. And I certainly, I'm not recording these podcasts to get people to change their minds. I'm, it's sort of a, a blog almost, a, a verbal blog of, of how I see the world. But it's like, what's, what's the point? If everybody can do a podcast, if everybody can tweet, if everybody can, you know, make music at home now, um, if everybody can be on social media you know, what, what brings meaning? You know, what's the meaning of life at this point? You know, part of the reason why I wrote a book is because I wanted to fight off the cultural trend that is to be on social media, to post on TikTok, to post on Instagram. Newsflash, I'm going to be honest, I don't think creators on social media, I don't think that is creative. It, it's it's something that I can't quite articulate, but it's it's almost like this strange combination of tech being like a robot and making something, but it's not the same thing as true art or creativity. When I'm on my phone creating a post or creating a reel, um, yes, I am creating, but I, I I don't feel that sort of calm, intrinsic, intimate feeling that I feel when I'm writing an essay or a book or making a song. It's completely different. And so I wrote my book not only because I wanted to express myself, but I'm trying to do what I can to hold off this cultural trend that is taking over everybody in the world, this, this dopamine fix of being on the phone, creating a reel, a story. It's so disturbing. It's truly disturbing and destructive. And my book is an examination of this crazy dystopian world that I see. I just, I sometimes I feel like such a recluse or such an outsider, like I'm the only one left that is still doing whatever I can to hold on to the analog aspects of life. There's a fantastic essay in the New Yorker that just came out a couple days ago from David Sedaris or Sedaris. I wanted to read a quick excerpt from it. 
When teenagers came to my book signing table, my first question was no longer, when did you last see your parents naked? But do you have a job? Nine times out of ten before the kid could speak, his or, his, his or her mother would take over. Tyler is too busy with his schoolwork. Or Kayla just needs to be 17 now. On several occasions, the person was genderqueer, and the mother would say, Cedar is taking some time to figure themselves out. There was a willow as well, and a hickory. I guessed that was a thing now, naming yourself after a tree. (laughs) One woman I met, a mother of three, told me that none of her teenagers held jobs and weren't likely to anytime soon. Why should they bust their butts for $17 an hour? And then David's response, um, because it's 17 more than they get by sitting at home doing nothing. I grew up having to work and don't want to put my kids in that headspace, the woman said. (laughs) Dear God, I thought, America as I knew it is finished. Aren't you supposed to have a shitty job when you're a teenager? It's how you develop a sense of compassion. My sister Gretchen and I both worked in cafeterias, and Amy was a supermarket cashier. Tiffany worked in kitchens, Paul too. I made $1.60 an hour, and damn it, I was happy to get it. That's the way this country ran. If at age 16 you wanted a bong, you went out there and worked for it. Now I guess your parents just buy it for you and probably give you the pot as well. You know, I think as, as we get older, we sort of reminisce about how life was better then than it is now. And I think we have so many conveniences now. And life truly is, is so much better now than it used to be in so many ways. I think just human beings' work ethic, I think human beings' level of kindness and compassion, uh, thinking about someone but themselves is evaporating. I just think human beings aren't filled with empathy or sympathy like they used to be. That's such a grandiose judgment to make. But it's the world that I see. Even in my inner circles, most often than not, I see people's heads down, staring at a phone. I see people that aren't asking questions. I see people that are just talking about themselves and not listening. And again, back to the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident, I am amazed that people are reacting to that act with sympathy towards Will Smith. It's, it's bizarre to me. Will Smith hits him, and strangely and oddly, people are defending Will Smith. I, I'm just sort of so um, perplexed by the whole, the whole situation. And what's even more bizarre, I'm, I'm even nervous to say this, but you realize that there are stories going on right now conspiratorial stories that are saying because Pfizer was the sponsor of the Academy Awards and they have a new alopecia drug that's in the works that's coming out in the next couple years, that this was all a setup to get more awareness to alopecia. 
like you've certainly listened to my podcast and you know that I've been pretty anti-farm and it feels like the pharmaceutical companies just want us all sick and, and like completely reliant on drugs, uh, over this over the counter drug or rather prescription drugs. But do we really think now, like we have millions of people out there that, I mean, believe me at first, I kind of thought the whole thing was a setup, but not for pharmaceutical companies, but just, I, I don't know. It was so weird, but we have people out there that think Will Smith is in the right. We have people out there that think that this is great because it's drawing more attention to alopecia. Uh, we have people out there that think that this was all a conspiracy. It's just like, holy shit. It's just like this, this incident, in a nutshell, clear as day, is showing what is wrong with our society. And also scary to think that one incident can happen and so many reactions, different reactions, can happen from one incident. Crazy to me. How did this, how did this happen? Hey, Nellie, my cat's troubled by it also. And I'm just, I'm confused. I'm, I am clear as day confused. How, how do we get out of this mess? I think this is a perilous moment in time right now. And I don't recognize the world. It's, it's, it's strange, it's bizarre, but I don't recognize the world anymore. It's, it's weird. It's like we're in the middle of this transition, and I, I get a little frightened when I think about where we're going. And I think about boundaries. It's weird. I think the phone, social media, podcasts, it's just sort of really evaporating and it's, it's creating like this phantasmagoric haze where we don't know what to believe. We don't know what is truth. We don't know who to trust. I mean, that's a scary, scary world to live in where people aren't listening. People aren't telling the truth. To have somebody hit somebody on stage and not have anything happen to them. I mean, think about that. How can we live in a world where somebody can hit somebody and people think that's okay? And I want to play this clip from Barry. You know that I like Barry, um, Barry Weiss. And she's going to echo some similar sentiments, uh, but it's not meant to make you feel sad. It's meant to make you feel compassion and question what you're doing. Here's Barry. Watching Zelensky and the Ukrainian people reminds me what we have lost as Americans, of how uncertain and mushy and fragile, frankly, that we have become. Bearing witness to Ukraine's answers forces me to ask some hard questions about us, questions that I worry many of us have forgotten how to ask. How would we act if the guns were to our heads? Would we similarly feel no choice but to fight for our home, for our way of life, for everything that we love? Would we actually have the courage to live by the values that we profess if our backs were the ones to the wall? Would we have this sense of national unity, of sacrifice, 
or have we gotten so comfortable, so divided, so removed from the world of flesh and blood that we have forgotten how to name those values at all? We are very, very far from a physical war, and I pray we are never in one. But that doesn't mean that we in America aren't in an ideological one. We are, and we have been in one for a while now. And it is one that we, heirs to the Enlightenment and to the American experiment, are losing. We are losing because we're unserious. We say, I'm a brand, follow me, like me. And Zelensky says, I am not iconic, Ukraine is iconic. We ask, is America ill-gotten? Zelensky says, Ukraine is mine. We say, words, podcasts, comedians, they put us in danger. Zelensky says, I will never surrender. We LARP on Twitter and work hard to get people fired for bad jokes or Halloween costumes. Ukrainians line up for guns and say, I want to defend everything that I love. One of the core lessons I'm taking away from what's happening right now in Ukraine is that fighting for noble causes matters. It is the only thing that matters. It's funny, but right now, you know what matters to millions of people? Themselves. Their brand, their likes, their phone. I have some people I know in my life where I know they've gotten some more attention on social media over the last couple of years. And it's interesting to see people change the more followers they get. Their ego explodes. I'm going to play a couple more clips and then I'll let you go. I do want to play just really quickly Joe Rogan talking about the Will Smith uh, incident. Again, this is, you know, what I thought about the word precedent. You know, what precedent does this set where somebody can walk on stage and assault somebody? What, what effect is that having on kids? I have, I'm friends with a father who was so distraught by our culture's reaction. I mean, it's weird. Like, I do believe that words can incite violence. You know, if, if something is said the wrong way, um, there's particular words, and I won't say them, obviously, whether it be profanity or some of those words that are obviously very derogatory. If they're said, you know, they will incite violence. If somebody gets killed, it's going to be the one who, you know, pulled the gun or pulled the knife. It's not going to be the one who said something. So I, it's strange. Like, I am very sympathetic to this idea that words do cause emotional harm. And I think that's part of the problem with social media is, you know, people just sort of vomit their opinions towards a post and move on with the rest of their lives. But if people read those words, their feelings can be hurt. And oftentimes, somebody hears a word they don't like, they could ignore it, or they could hit somebody or pull out a gun. So I don't want to dismiss the power of words. It feels like, you know, it's laughed at when somebody says words are violence or words can be violence because 
I do think words can create an emotional scar, internal pain that, that can often result in violence. So, you know, I, I, I sympathize actually with Will Smith. Like he was, he was hurt. I, I saw a man that was really hurt. Unfortunately, he got up on stage and, and slapped somebody. But I think what's even more disheartening is, is people think that it's okay. Like, like you can do that. And I, I, I really get worried about living in a world where violence is okay. And I think it sort of started uh, over the last, I mean, I'll backtrack just a bit. I think movies and television shows that are filled with violence makes violence seem okay. It's sort of this innocuous, almost fantasy, you know, the video games. Um, Even the violence that was on television over the last couple years uh, during the pandemic, car chases, it's its weird. Violence just almost feels like entertainment or unreal. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous living in a world where violence isn't taken seriously, where a slap to the face is just brushed aside. It's, that's, that's scary. Let me play you this clip. In terms of society standards, I don't think they would have accepted it the same way. No. It's like it was a, a rare instance where someone is so enormously famous and successful like Will Smith that they literally still allowed him to not just win the Academy Award, but also go up and accept it and give a speech after he assaulted a small comedian Yeah, they should have ejected him. They should have ejected him from the show. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree with that. You don't. You can't just go smack a man in the face in front of the world and then go about business as usual. First of all, it sets a terrible precedent. Yes. In in, in so many different ways, it sets a terrible precedent for comedy clubs. Yes. Like, are people going to yes. decide that they're going to go on stage and Ooh, smack the comedian? I now? hope they try to smack Brendan or you. It's like the lines of of manners and boundaries no longer exist. And the more that this kind of behavior happens, and it's. Um, done without any sort of repercussions is going to create an even more chaotic dystopian world. It's like people don't like to be told no. People don't like to be told what to do. People want to just do whatever they want. It's just a strange insular reaction happening in our society where people are just being more drawn to themselves. And what, what is the result? What is going to happen if people just think only about themselves all the time? What is going to happen when boundaries don't exist? It's an unpredictable, chaotic world to begin with, but it certainly feels like the fires are stoked. It feels like the chaos is a bit more rampant right now. And it's scary. I get a little nervous. You know, I had a great talk with my friend Adam Gust a couple weeks ago, and I do sometimes have these internal voices inside my head because I am trying to offer a nuanced, objective point of view where... I don't like politics. I can't stand left, right, 
trying to go into one side. I'm trying to just offer an objective viewpoint on the world. And Adam said to me, you know, Eddie, your show seems very nuanced and balanced, and I can't, I, I don't think of you as left or right. I just think of you as offering objective points of view about the world. So I guess whatever I'm doing here potentially may be working. So I, I, Want, you know, I don't know too much about the bill that is being passed in Florida, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But it, I, I will say one, I will give one point. And I think as parents, we have to be so careful what we allow into our homes, whether it's violent, you know, video games or um, TV shows. I mean, the TV shows that I watch and what they show now, and these are, you know, mature shows. I can't believe the language. I can't believe the violence. And I think um, we need to do whatever we can to protect kids' innocence for as long as we can. Because it just feels like uh, social media and tech and TV shows and movies are just forcing kids to grow up so fast. And that's something else that I worry about. And so MSNBC is speaking to this teacher down in Florida about um, this, this bill that's being passed. And he brings up some interesting points that I think are fair to say, like, you know, a teacher, if, if they're gay, you know, he should be able to have a picture of his spouse or partner on his desk. Um, if a student asks him or her about um, his weekend, he shouldn't have to lie. But as I was listening to this clip, I started to think back to when I was a kindergartner and when I was in the third grade. And I never thought to ask my, uh, my teachers personal questions. Like, the boundary was very um, clear. Like, this is where I go to learn, and then I go home, and if I'm confused about something, I guess I would ask my friends or ask my parents. I wouldn't be trying to create a deep relationship with my teacher. And again, I think this goes to that point of, of boundaries. There's something about boundaries, and I really think social media and this onslaught of information and the sort of how everything is always turned on. It just feels like people no longer respect boundaries or have manners or sort of understand their place in this society. So listen to this clip and then I'll let you go. You know, it, it's twofold. It really hits hard um, in my heart professionally and uh, personally both. Uh, professionally, it, it truly makes me feel like um, I am not trusted as a professional, um, I know my kindergarten standards through and through, and um, nowhere in our curriculum does it have anything about um, teaching sexual orientation or sexual identity. Um, so for them to, to say that, that, that that's happening, um, that, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, we should be able to have discussions, and, and that's what we're encouraged to do in kindergarten. And then personally, because... Um, you know, my, my kids do have questions. They want to know who the, uh, my partner is in pictures yeah. outside of my classroom, and I should be able to speak to that. So, so do you worry 
that you won't even be able to talk about your own personal home life? I mean, I have a child in kindergarten right now. I know exactly that my, my child has two teachers, one of which has a daughter at home um, and is single. The other is married and has four children. I, I know everything about their lives because my kid tells me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you are 100% correct. Um, that's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids. And in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. I It scares me that I am not going to be able to have these conversations with my children because they're going to ask me what I did on the weekend. I don't. I'll stop it there and I'll let you go. I'm just, I'm so struck that he keeps saying my children. I'm struck that the, the, the kids are going to be happy. I don't know. I don't remember how I was when I was in the third grade or in kindergarten, but it just, it felt like a controlled environment where it was very clear that I was there to learn and, and, you know, do math and learn how to read. And I get, I got to believe there were those moments on a Monday when we walk in and the teacher was asking us how our weekend was, but I never thought to ask about my teacher's weekend. And I don't know, looking back now, I, I think I did have a teacher that was probably gay, but I just sexuality was so not a part of my frame of mind at the age of four, five, six, seven, eight. I just, I wasn't thinking about any of that. And it does feel, last point, like the media and the world and, and, and television shows, it's, it's like they want us to think um, a particular way. They want violence to be constantly on the television. They want to teach kids uh, sexuality, I guess, now at a very young age. I mean, these are stories that I'm slowly reading about right now because I am i don't have much time to read about it, but it does feel like um, entertainment conglomerates are perpetuating this, this, this bizarre, confusing, violent world that we live in. What do you think? Are you as confused as I am? Are you thinking about it? Uh-oh, my cat's stepping on my lap. Are you thinking about it right now? Or are you just sort of numbing out on your phone? Are you worried about it? You can hear my cat purring. This is probably the best time to, to go. So I'll leave you with that. A lot here to digest. But be active. You don't have to join the rat race of social media. You don't have to also record a podcast. You know, I, I've certainly loved this podcast, but I do, I don't raise it up on the pedestal. It's not as important to me as, as reading or creating or writing music or trying to write a new book. Wow, my cat is really going to town. Hi, buddy. <laughs> He's such a great cat. So I'll leave you with that. Come on, Leo, get down, get down. Um, you know where to find me? Ironically, if you have any questions, social media is at Eddie Cohn. Um, the new book, SSAF Yoga, an examination of uh, a satirical examination of our world, you can get at ssafyoga.com. It'll hit Amazon probably in about a month. Um, new music, 
I am Eddie uh, New Music up at eddiecone.bandcamp.com. This new remix will hit Spotify and iTunes next week. Please write a review for the show on iTunes. I have a few guests lined up over the next couple weeks. Um, but be nice to people. You know, even today as I was driving home, somebody was honking their horn at me. Um, and it's sort of like, I can see why people get upset. I can see why the world gets violent. But we just, we get so caught up in the emotions. Words do promote, or words can cause emotional hurt. And I sympathize when people get hurt by words. It's like we are throwing them out right now like they don't mean anything. But they are just as powerful as ever. So be careful with with your words. Be thoughtful. Be empathetic. Think about somebody else besides yourself today. Stay off social media. And I'll see you soon. As always, thanks so much for being a part of my journey here on the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.